Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. I wanted to share this morning uh, about three principles of giving. Uh, And they are highlighted in this passage we read before in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But they are principles really that you find throughout the Bible. Uh, in themes, you know, from through Psalms and and uh, and right through right from the early days of the Bible. So the first one is that it's important to give cheerfully. If you're taking notes this morning, write this one down: give cheerfully, because this applies to any time that we give. Psalm 126 verse 5 says, "Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy." You might have been like this that this morning, you know, sowing or planting in tears. You know, I was like, God, I know you want me to give it, but it is so hard as we give. You might have this conviction that you're doing what God wants you to do, but it's sometimes it doesn't make it any easier, does it? You know, you've still got to overcome that physical and emotional response to parting with a plasma TV or parting with a holiday or parting with whatever it is as we give into the bucket because when we give, it means that that's something else we can't do with that money. Really, doesn't it? I mean, so we might sow with tears, we might plant with tears, but we know that if we plant with tears, we will harvest with shouts of joy. Amen. As we sow, we will see a harvest. We can never give cheerfully, uh, be, or we can give cheerfully, I should say, because ultimately our trust is in God. We know that we're not just throwing money away or down the drain, but we know that we are uh, engaged in some sort of divine economy. And uh, I heard the prayer at Cheltenham last night. It was a great prayer. It was, God, you know, the economy in heaven is up. You know, we sometimes wonder about our economy and how it's travelling, don't we? Whether, you know, our factory's going to be closing, will there be jobs, you know, in the future? What does the outlook, you know, look like? Are we on the news looking at economic trends? And we're always worried about our earthly economy, and so we should be. We've got to be wise with things. But really, when we start to engage with God in the area of our finances, it's not just about the earthly economy, it's the heavenly economy. Amen. We step out of the natural into the supernatural when it comes to our provision. And so when we do this, God takes us on a journey of faith in him and connects us with an umbilical cord to the provision of heaven, not the provision of this world. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And often this verse gets taken out of context, but it comes from Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read a little sentence before that. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's actually in relation to the area of finances. Isn't that comforting? We're sitting here today and each one of us, as I look around, will be probably in a different financial situation. There will be some of us who have more than enough, some of us who have money accumulating in a bank account just waiting for God to show us what to do with it. We'll have money accumulating in superannuation. We'll have a house that's being paid off or is paid off. We have more than enough. But there'll be others sitting here today thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through to the end of the week. I've got to drive somewhere and I don't have enough petrol in my car. And I don't have enough money in my wallet or my purse to go to the service station. I might go there and just put $5 in because that's all I can afford. So there are people in all sorts of financial situations sitting here this morning. And yet God in that situation says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's comforting because no matter where we are in God, we know he's with us. No matter what our financial situation is, God will make a way. 
The Bible also says that we should keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what we have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Mammon is an Aramaic word. And in this passage, Jesus would normally be speaking in the language of the day, which is Koine Greek. Yet here, he takes a moment out of Koine Greek to use an Aramaic word. And he uses that Aramaic word because the Greek of the day didn't just cut it when it came to describing what mammon was. Uh, I had this experience several years ago when Sonia and I went back to Germany and we had the radio and there was talking on the radio and there was all sorts of German words happening. There was Achtung and Raus and uh, you know all of these German words. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. And all of a sudden I hear hot dog. And I, I, I looked at the radio again to see what station we were on. German, 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 hot dog. German, 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 hot dog. There's no word in German that really captures the essence of hot dog. I mean, you could have a Heißhund. No, but it just doesn't work, does it? It's just not going to cut it. You have to have a hot dog. And so out of German comes this little English phrase and then back into Germany. And it's like that in this phrase with Jesus. He's talking about in Koine Greek, talking about finance, and then all of a sudden he breaks into Aramaic to use the word mammon. And it doesn't translate easily and it doesn't just mean money. Uh, it's more to do with the love of money, the love of material things. And actually what scripture does when it talks about mammon is it personifies wealth when it talks about it. So it gives it a personality and if that personality was, was to to, to uh, signify, say, uh, an unhealthy attraction to finance or to money, then that would be mammon. That's what, how the Bible describes it. It's a person, a personality. And it's quite, uh, quite striking, actually, when you understand really what the, what the Bible's talking about there. Our spring offering that we've just done this morning breaks the power of mammon. It breaks the power of that personality. It breaks the power of this world. Because so often what we do is countercultural. It's like pressing a big reset button on our own attitudes towards finance. Isn't it? You know, sometimes we've got, we've got a, uh, a wireless router at home and sometimes it gets really, really slow. You know, it just gets clogged up. The cache gets clogged up with all of this stuff and sometimes you've just got to go and turn the thing off and press the reset button so that it flows freely again. Well, that's what our spring offering's like in our attitude towards finances. Sometimes during the year, we get clogged up with attitudes, worldly attitudes towards finance. Uh, we, we get a natural mindset about things. And when we come to an event like spring offering, it really causes us to reevaluate what it's all about, to reevaluate what the role of God is in our, in our financial lives and how we should respond to that. It's like pressing that big reset button and allowing God to flow freely. The second key in our giving is that of regularity. And 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So it's important to budget. Can I encourage every one of you to budget? I uh, went through this process many, many years ago uh, where I was living without a budget because there was always more money than I needed. And so I didn't need a budget. And then I got married. And I realized I needed to budget and so I set a budget up and I think I can't remember at the time how much I, I freed up out of my weekly or monthly allowances but it was, it was heaps I mean it was something like 30% of my income I freed up just by budgeting and putting some limits around uh, certain types of spending and that enabled me actually to do some really good stuff with that of course now that I've budgeted and figured out how much extra I can spend <laughs> I don't have enough now either but anyway that's life um, 
Some of you might have heard of an author called Randy Alcorn who wrote a book, Money, Possessions and Eternity. I haven't read it personally, but Pastor Rob has read it and uh, it was quite impacting for him. And he, and he points out a quote here that, uh, that I'm going to read today. When people tell me they can't afford to tithe, I ask them, if your income was reduced by 10%, would you die? They say, no. And I say, then you've just admitted that you can afford to tithe. It's just that you don't want to. When people say they can't afford to give, this should be challenged. In practical terms, many people would claim uh, they don't have any margin in their budgets for generous living. After all of the living, there is nothing left over for giving. Instead of giving first and living on what's left over, many are living first and giving on what, if any, is left over. Obviously, this is not consistent with the Bible's teaching on stewardship. That is, everything is God's and we are stewards who will be held to account for how we managed what God gave us. But this approach, giving first and living with what's left over, is a radical concept. It's countercultural. However, this is uh, the response to the gospel, to follow Jesus and to submit to his lordship for his glory in every aspect of our lives, not least of all, our wallets. At the heart of any significant change, is a radical reorientation of lifestyle that flows from our understanding of the gospel. The gospel leads to a thoroughly radical, self-denying, sacrificial, God-glorifying lifestyle. People who want to know how to reorder their priorities, many people who, don't give, uh, who give don't see how much of a blessing giving can be. They need someone to help them reorder their life priorities. Isn't that a fairly blunt, in-your-face comment? But it's true. Often it's not about affordability, it's about intent. And, uh, and we can always uh, give if we're prayerful about it and we, we move forward as God leads. The third aspect of giving is to give sacrificially. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, talks about Jesus. It said, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, can you imagine if we had the bucket there and I'm sitting here watching what you're all putting in and I'm looking at the amount on the envelope or on the card going, hmm, that should have been a bit more. You know what I'm saying? That's what Jesus did. Jesus was sitting down at the temple and he was watching people as they gave into the bucket and he was watching some wealthy people come and they'd pull out their purse or their, their wallets, whatever they would use in that day, their bag probably, and they would put their gold coins in be like today, just opening your wallet, pulling out a few notes and putting them in. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but then Jesus sees this, uh, well, I'll, I'll keep reading the scripture. It'll tell the story better than what I can. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so God is just, and God sees the heart, because here's this lady, she might have needed those coins to, to go to where she was going next to pay the entry fee for the town that she was travelling to next. She might have needed those coins to buy some food for dinner. She might have needed those coins for some other really valuable purpose, and yet She's put them in. And it would be easy for someone who has lots to look at that small gift and scoff and go, gee, she didn't put in very much. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said out of her poverty, she's given all she had. 
And you, although you might have given lots, still have plenty left over to go back to. And so when it came to looking at the degree of sacrifice that they both made, he said, gee, this widow, in fact, you know what Jesus said? He said, this widow's attitude is so great, I'm going to put her in the pages of my Bible to tell every generation that comes after her what she's done. How amazing is that? That's, that's how much God thinks of that. Put it in the Bible. So an amazing story. And God is not after um, equal giving. He's just after equal sacrifice. That's what he loves. Different amounts. Hers was small. Others were great. But God wants equal sacrifice. In fact, what he wants is that sacrificial giving would stretch our faith. He wants us to be stretched as a result of what we give. Not to live in the comfort zone, but to live in a position where we trust him. Because that's what he wants. He wants us to trust him. And as we give and as we stretch our faith, our ability to give and our ability to uh, believe God for things grows. And um, I was thinking actually of a cycling example uh, many years ago. Now, I, I started cycling, said, man, how long ago? 2000 with you it was, but 2005 or six or somewhere around there. I remember getting on a bike and riding around Patterson Lakes. Now, I was exhausted after that ride around Patterson Lakes. It was all of five Ks. You know, I had a bike that wasn't that great, and it was 5Ks. By the end of that, I got off, and my legs were feeling a little bit sore, you know. I think, gee, that's, oh, that's nasty. And, uh, and then after a little, little while, I, I, I stretched out a little bit more and rode up to Mordialic. Mordialic from my place is about 10K, so it was a 20K round trip. I thought on the way back I was going to die. I mean, it was, you know, I was doing it tough. I, I, could ima I could imagine what my face looked like, sweat, red face, you know, not looking good. Wouldn't want to go on a fashion show after that. Uh, looking pretty hot and bothered. But you can't stay where you are. You've got to keep progressing. You can't be happy with the 5K ride around Patterson Lakes or the 20K ride to Mordialic. You've got to go further. So I thought one day that, um, and I don't know if I was being stupid or not, but I must have been, because I thought, I'm going to ride to St Kilda. Well, I got to St Kilda, and praise God for cafes, because I needed a break. So I sat down, I had a feed, I had a coffee, feeling pretty good, got back on the bike, started riding back home to Patterson Lakes. I got to Mordialic, and I hit the wall. Couldn't make it any further. Got on the phone, Sonia, <laughs> you're going to have to come and pick me up. <laughs> we got the bike in the car. And, I, and, I, and she drove me home and I just collapsed on the floor and I ate afterwards. So St Kilda and back was about, I think at the time, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 65 or 70 k's or something like that. Well, you know, with Zed Man on the front of the bunch now, because I go riding with Zed on Saturdays. Actually, I don't go riding with Zed. Um, I start off riding with Zed. Then I don't see him again. He's like, gone. And I'm hanging on for dear life trying to keep up. But, uh, but going riding with Zed or someone else who pushes you and stretches you creates an increase in capacity. So five around the bays later, 210k around the bay bike rides coming up on the 19th of October. Um, my capacity has increased and it's the same with our giving. We might start off small. We might start off in our comfort zone. I can do a Patterson Lakes type giving or you might branch out to a Mordialic kind of giving. You might even get to St Kilda and crash and burn on the way back. But the thing is that each step of the way, God stretches us. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be stretched. He wants us to grow in our faith and in the ability to trust him. And that's what our giving does. So can I encourage you to take part 
uh, in a lifestyle that is fairly radical, uh, that, uh, that you give to a point of faithful discomfort. Now, we're not talking about anyone doing silly stuff because you've got to have a conviction and a faith that, that you're in God's hands as you do it. You don't want to be presumptuous. You want to step out in faith. But, uh, but I think there's a fantastic point of faithful discomfort that we all need to come to as his children when we give. Amen. Amen. One of you agrees with that. That's wonderful. And it's Camille. She's on staff. She has to agree. <laughs> Praise God. God has already set the ultimate benchmark for our painful giving. And that's in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. Why don't we bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. And I, I just thank you that you do take us on a journey in our giving. It's actually not about the giving. It's about our relationship with you. The Bible says that where our treasure is, there also is our heart. And Lord, you know that if you can have our treasure, you have our heart. You know if you have our heart, you'll also have our treasure. So Father God, we know that, uh, that, that our finances are something that you speak about more than anything else in Scripture. More than heaven, more than hell. You speak about finances and it's because it cuts to the core of where our heart is at and our relationship with you. So Lord God, in all that we have and all that we do, we commit it to you. God, and not just with our finances, but our lives this morning, we give them into your hands and we trust you with our life, Lord God. Every day, every breath we take, we commit into your hands. And we just pray, Father God, that through all of our lives you'd be glorified, you'd be honoured. I pray, Lord, in all of our words, in all of our actions, in what we spend our money on, I pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified, that we would lift you up. And as a result of our lives being yielded to you, Lord, I pray that you would transform our families. I pray you'd transform our schools, our community, Lord God, our workplaces. I pray you'd transform our shopping centres as we bump into people and, and uh, are countercultural in the way that we are kind, in the way that we're generous, in the way that we're compassionate. And I pray, Lord God, you pour out your blessing on us as your people. In Jesus' name. Perhaps we have people here this morning who have never given their lives to Christ. You know about Jesus, you've thought about him, you've perhaps even prayed once, but you've never actually formally given your life to Christ. You never said today, Jesus, I want to give myself to you. And it's a big step. And it's a bold step, but it's a wonderful step. To place yourselves in the hands of a loving and gracious God who will never lead you astray, who's always reliable, always dependable, always loving. If you would like to commit your life to him, give your life over to him, just right now where you sit while every eye is closed and every head is bowed just raise up your hand nice and high and i'm not going to embarrass you in any way but after the service today i would like to just come and have a chat and perhaps pray with you about that has anyone this morning never committed their life to christ but would like to do that just give you one more moment well father god i pray that your hand of blessing would be on each one in our journey in you and that you would lead us on to bigger and greater things as we step out in faith and live for you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.